In the name of the Father, and the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. You're very welcome to the Brendan Option, coming to you courtesy of Immaculata Productions. I'm Father Brendan Kilcoyne. Uh, usual drill, PayPal, Patreon, if you can do anything for us, but above all, your prayers and your considered and, and constructive comments, which are coming thick and fast, and which we are carefully reading. I know we're not great at replying at times, and I'm hopeless, but we do read them carefully, and stock is taken of them. We will be addressing them uh, at, an, at an early date. Hmm? Do you remember that story uh, of uh, Therese of Lisieux? You remember where she had seen the elevator in the hotel. They were coming into hotels at the time. And uh, we tend to forget Therese's family was quite well off, you know. And she had used the image for her little way. She said she was too little to use the stairs, as it were of the church's discipline, spiritual and so on. It was all too much for her. So she would ask God to install an elevator for her so that she could get to him quickly. Now, when people hear that, they may say, oh, what sad stuff. It's so saccharine and sweet and all the rest of it. Hmm. I can think of a lot of descriptions of Therese of Lisieux's life, and particularly the last part of it. Uh, saccharine sweet would not be there. But I see where you're coming from. I just wonder whether you're taking into account all of her life. Uh-huh. Because she suffered a lot. For almost the last two years of her life. And not just physically, by the way. Spiritually, mentally, psychologically. Well, I've seen the elevator. I mean, I've seen the stairs done. I've seen it happen. We've all seen it happen. And some people just seem to be forever on the stairs. But they're just forever on the stairs. I remember when I was a student in Rome, going down to get a, I had to get a mini thesis. You know, this short thesis. You had to get them typed. And this was about 1990 or so, and computers weren't as common. And uh, there was a woman who typed theses. They were there in every university city. Loads of people who did that for a living. And I remember going all the stairs up to her Roman apartment. And when I got to the top, she greeted me with a burst of laughter. And she said, my goodness, she said, you come all the way up the stairs. Young man, we are in Rome. Take the elevator. See, that's what I want to tell you here today. You're finding the stairs too hard? Hmm. We're in God's city. We're in the city. Take the elevator. Yeah? I am addicted to cigarettes. I'm addicted to cigarettes. Uh, To nicotine, I suppose, specifically. So I'm not an expert on this. I know there's a chemical addiction. I feel the chemical addiction you probably get over in about three weeks after coming off them. But the addiction of habit, the mental addiction, stays with you, I think, probably all your life. Now, the tobacco companies are probably getting on their high horse if they're bothering to listen to me, which I doubt. 
but I know what I went through and I know what people go through. And I'm addicted to cigarettes. I got off them once for about five years, went back on them. I went back to full-time teaching at the time. That first year of teaching was tough. And I went back on the fags. I don't know how many I really enjoyed. I think cigarettes are often most enjoyed in anticipation. But that's an interesting discussion for another time. I know that I was and am addicted to cigarettes and that they were having a bad effect on my health. And in fact, I mean, two or three years after giving them up, I still had a massive stroke. And the doctors were quite sure that they had played a part. Uh Uh-huh. And I couldn't get off them. I couldn't imagine getting off them. Coffee and a cigarette, I thought, was a foretaste of heaven. And maybe, in a sense, it is if the damn things didn't kill you. So how did I get off them? Because I got off them in December of 15. That's 2015. Do you want to know the date? And then you might have an idea how I got off them. You might be able to supply the uh, name of the elevator company. Yeah? I got off them on the 8th of December. If you don't know what date that is, I don't think I can do any more for you. Okay? You know, if you just thumb your way back to Catholicism 101 and start at the first page and in the meantime, the rest of us will go on. Okay, because you should know that. I got off on one of the greatest Marian feasts of the year. The Immaculate Conception. Major Marian feast of the modern church, which is the last few hundred years, okay? A major, major, major feast. Okay? Major feast. Because the Immaculate Conception isn't simply a Marian feast. Feast of the Immaculate Conception is also always, like the Feast of the Assumption, they are both implicitly feasts of the Incarnation and of the Passion and Death and Resurrection of our Lord Jesus Christ and the, God's whole plan of salvation from Genesis on. Right to Apocalypse. Hmm? 8th of December. In the rain. In the dark. I was standing outside the pastoral centre in Nathan Rye, about to go in with a few friends and recite and sign our consecration to Our Lady. We had done Michael Gately's um, 33 days preparation, along with a whole load of parishioners and uh, thousands of people all over the country. I smoked a cigarette out in the rain just before I went in, as was my wont. I brought it down to about half an inch from the butt and then flicked it into the gutter. I was a dirty smoker. And then I went in and made my consecration and I asked Our Lady to get me off the fags because I couldn't get off them. And then I went back to the house after. And there were four cigarettes left in the pack. By the way, for American listeners, uh, fag is an English-Irish slang word for cigarette, okay? So I'm not being abusive, all right? (laughs) Nor am, you know, no, yeah, nor am I admitting to anything that'll get me laicized in the morning. No, no, fag is a cigarette. To get off the fags is to get off a cigarette. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So over I go to the house. Four cigarettes left. Four, is that four? Four cigarettes left in the pack. Mmm. 
four. I took the four. I took the pack actually with the four in it, and I put it in the fire. And then I stood with my two hands on the mantelpiece, and I watched them burn in the fire. And the smoke raised up, and I savored it, like God savoring the sacrifice of Noah. And I never smoked again. No withdrawal symptoms, no horrors, nothing. Still addicted, and I know I am. Still miss them sometimes. But it's quite manageable. Never smoked again. She did that for me. She may not have done it for you, and that makes me feel good. If I were a decent priest, I wouldn't feel good. But, I mean, by now you know what, what I'm like. <laughs> Okay, so I feel good. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. She didn't do it for you. She did it for me. I got the limousine. I got picked up. I got the elevator. You were out in the rain. I said enough now to, to earn me about another hundred years in purgatory. Next uh, little chapter in this novella. Sister Ruth Mary O'Callaghan, servant sister, the home of the Mother Order. You know them? She was in Roscommon when they were there. They were in a parish in Roscommon. Dubliner. Went out to Medjugorje, addicted to heroin. Went out just, to, I think, to please her family, please a friend, I can't remember now. Hated priests. Ended up sitting beside the priest who was chaplain to the pilgrimage. Responded to his attempts to talk to her by asking for the loan of his newspaper. And when, surprised and pleased, he passed her his newspaper, deliberately opened it and held it up so that she couldn't see him. I think by the time the plane had landed in Medjugorje, he'd heard her confession. And then she went up the mountain and she came back down. And she was no longer a junkie. And never touched heroin again. No withdrawal symptoms. From heroin. From heroin. You heard that? I tried to grill her on it and she had no more to say about it. There was no drama. There was no vision. There were no locutions. Nothing. She went out. A heroin addict. And a determined anti-Catholic. She came back. A convert, a devout Catholic, no longer addicted. I'm making no claims for Medjugorje. I'm just saying, I'm just saying what I was told. Okay. That good and holy woman has since died and stuck to her guns. That was that was her story. Elevators. Elevators. Now, what am I saying here? Number one, I'm saying that addiction is real. And there are far more addictions than that. Now, we would take a doctor to talk about this more intelligently. Because as you know, a lot of the addictions are quite complex, even chemically. For instance, you can become addicted to the gym. I think it's, aren't you addicted to dopamine? Is that it? Releases a feel-good hormone. It's chemical. You can become addicted to work. Some people do. You can become addicted to pornography, and I'm sorry to say that many now are. 
and many of them are very young. Now, if you think I'm, I'm just being narrow-minded and po-faced and this is the church all over again, fine, you ignore me and you talk to some professionals who have nothing to do with the church and they'll tell you exactly the same thing. Pornography is a scourge in modern society and it is going to have an immensely destructive effect on relationships for decades to come. And that's even if it's addressed now. And I mean addressed in the way it would have to be addressed because it plays on all our weaknesses. It does. Now I'm saying that there is help there. Now God may not choose to help you like that. And he has not chosen to help me like that in other ways. So I'm not getting... All right, I was slagging you a bit earlier. I was joking a bit. I did get a free ride, but I don't always get them. The limousine isn't always sent around. I can assure you of that. Sometimes, a lot of the time, I have to plod like everybody else. But that happened. And I have to say, it's a nice way to travel. Hmm? It's a nice way to travel. So I'm telling you now, if you're in the grip of something, and this is a foretaste of death and a foretaste of hell in a way, is where this dark master comes into our lives and we are no longer, or we lose our freedom, our divinely given freedom. If you are in that position where your very person is occupied territory and the enemy has, has, has full or nearly full or at least ultimate control of your life and you want your freedom back you must turn to the author of that freedom however you do that and you must have the the neck to ask for an elevator and then see what he does but one way or another he will get you off it he will set you free hmm? he will set you free in the words of the psalm the, from the snare of the hunter he will set you free now I'm not making that stuff up that I just told you there addiction is it's a side product of our society but its implications go right to the core of a huge number of problems in our society Yeah, and one of them is that it is a godless society which leaves people completely at the helm of their lives so they think and actually it leaves them terrifyingly vulnerable in the face of darker forces than they can comprehend. So you may find this strange coming from a Catholic priest, but I'm for freedom. I'm for freedom. Therese of Lisieux was for freedom. Sister Ruth Mary O'Callaghan was for freedom. Be free. Raise the flag of freedom. And ask God for the limousine, for the elevator. Ask him to take you out of this darkness into his own wonderful light. To Therese of Lisieux, pray for us. In the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Amen.